Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. So last week's podcast started with a bit of a trivia question. Um, I'm going to ask a question this week. It's not a trivia question. It's more just a little bit of fun. Um, so the question is for both of you, if a player, past or present, had to score a penalty to save your life, who would you choose to take it and why? Toby. I'd go with Manuel Neuer. Really? I've never seen him missing a penalty, to be fair. I mean, he might have just taken two or three, but he scored them all. So <laughs> that's 100% in my book. I'll go with him. You put your life in the goalkeeper's hands. Yes, definitely. Wow. And you, Andrea? I would say Pazzini from Verona. Oh, yeah? He scored 21 out of 22 penalties in Serie A. He's the best percentage ever. Wow. Yeah. It's I didn't know about that. Should have picked him. I don't really like him as a player, <laughs> but you know he's good at scoring. So, not Balotelli. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a never. <laughs> See, that, that used to be my answer because Balotelli used to be when he played for Man City he was an amazing penalty yeah. taker, and then when he went back to Italy, he started missing them again. He I think missed he missed two a penalties few. in a row when he yeah. didn't miss for nineteen uh, tries, yeah, or something like that. Well, my answer is Yaya Torre. I've never seen him miss a penalty for City. In fact, I think he scored all 13 that he's taken. And not even a goalkeeper hasn't even got close to one of his penalties. And he did a little um, sort of video on the City website recently, a, a penalty masterclass. And one of the things I found interesting about yeah. it is what he said that when he takes the penalty, he puts the ball down on the spot and he walks away and he always turns his back to the goalkeeper so that the goalkeeper can't read his eyes or what he's going to do or anything like that. And the guy's phenomenal. I would, I would definitely put my life in his hands. Good to know. Yeah, how Tory it is. <laughs> Not that, you know, I could imagine a situation where my life would be in a penalty taker's hands, but, you know, just <laughs> you for the sake know. of argument. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, welcome to this episode of the One Football Podcast. Um, I'm Dan Burke. Joining me today, he's a German. It's Toby Herman. Good day. And One Football's newest Italian stallion, it's Mr. Andrea Agostinelli. Hi, everyone. Welcome, making your podcast debut. Thank you. Um, we met the other day. The first thing you said to me was that you were a big fan of the podcast. Yeah, of course. Um, so I said, great, you're in on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you're a fan of the podcast and you'd like to contribute, you can do so. Uh, you can email us, podcast at onefootball.com. And we'd love it if you'd head over to iTunes, give us a rating and let us know how we're doing. Um, now, we're going to kick things off today by talking about a feature that we've started doing on the One Football app this season, the European Power Rankings. Um Basically, it's a, it's a kind of American thing, power rankings, um, a very unscientific way of, of ranking the top 10 teams in Europe uh, each week is how we're doing it. Uh, I did it this week, and I'm going to read you through my rankings now. Okay. Um, and if you, if you have any uh, issue with them, you can say it to my face. Um, so at number one, it's, of course, Manchester City, arguably the best team in Europe at the moment. Um, number two is Barcelona, um, who are streets ahead at the top of La Liga at the moment. Number three, Bayern Munich, you'll be pleased to know, Toby. Uh, yeah, top of Bundesliga now, looking pretty comfortable again. Six po- uh, points ahead of Dortmund. Yeah, uh, put things in order again. Normal services like resume there. Uh, number four is PSG. Uh, number five, Tottenham Hotspur. Um, after they uh, they won in the Champions League against Real Madrid last week, and uh, and they beat Crystal Palace at the weekend. Uh, number six, Napoli have dropped down quite a bit um, in the past couple of weeks. Yes, could be. Uh, number seven, Valencia. Uh, they've won seven games in a row um, in La Liga this season, which is a new club record for them. Uh, number eight is FC Porto. Uh, they're also uh, leading the way in Portugal at the moment. Uh, number nine, Real Madrid. Uh, they beat Las Palmas at the weekend, uh, 3-0, sort of back back on track for them a little bit now. 
Um, and number 10 is Juventus, who uh, we'll talk a little bit more about later on, who sort of struggled against Benevento at the weekend. Yeah, but... I would say Roma instead of Juventus. You would, yeah? Yeah, because they beat Chelsea. They're playing really great, and I think that they're a good team. It would be taking serious uh, consideration for Scudetto and even for Champions League. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a fair point. I'll, I'll certainly <laughs> consider that next week. <laughs> uh, Benny will love um, that, uh, me saying, I think Schalke should be in there these days as well. Um They've been flying high lately, playing very well. Got to a bit of a lucky win last weekend against Freiburg, but overall, fourth in the Bundesliga, looking really steady. Um, yeah. Same points as Dortmund these days. The derby coming up by the end of November. Nice. Keep an eye on Schalke then. <laughs> well, well, we're on the subject of Germany. That's where we're going to start the podcast today uh, with you, Toby. Um, we previewed a huge Bundesliga game on the podcast last week uh, between Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich. Uh, Bayern Munich won 3-1. Um, as a Munich fan, were you surprised at how comfortable the game was? Um, no, actually I wasn't. Um, Dortmund looked so unsteady um, as of late. Munich, obviously, with the um, change in manager, they look really, really powerful, much more focused than they did um, under Ancelotti. So I actually thought they're going to win by a bigger margin, to be fair. And I think if they play the last 30, 35 minutes with the full concentration as they have in the first half time, um, the game probably should have ended 4, if not 5-0, mm. I think. Um, but then again, Dortmund looked better than in previous weeks, probably because Munich pressing a little higher and not being so far back as the other teams they used to play as of late. Um, but yeah, overall, I think they could have actually won by a bigger margin. Wow. Well, I asked this question on the podcast last week to the guys there, and I'm going to ask you now, what has changed for Bayern since your pints took over from Carlo Ancelotti, do you think? It's a very difficult question, because obviously we don't know exactly what he's changing in, in training. But um, this, this squad looks much more focused, you know, um, like they, they look much more like a, a unit. Um, under Ancelotti, like, all of the, the first games in this season, like Lewandowski was complaining all the time, you know, like every pass he didn't get, he was literally like a little boy in the box. They're like, why are you not passing to me? Um, I've seen the, the Anderlecht game in, in the stadium and I kind of observed Lewandowski a bit closer and I thought his attitude was awful. But ever since Heinkes, um got in, like it, it changed. Um, I think he's such a respected guy at the club that none of the players actually dare to question um, what he does there. And obviously the previous success he had um, winning the, the treble, um, yeah, that, that proves that for the situation he's the, the, the right guy. And now seven games unbeaten, only two goals conceded. One of them was a penalty. Um, yeah, looking good these days. Yeah, he's really steadied the ship. Um, somewhere that where there isn't a very steady ship is Dortmund, though. Um, they're in free fall at the moment. They've not won in the league since September. Um, I read an article uh, yesterday about Peter Bosch um, basically saying that the, he should be given until Christmas to kind of save his job. Is the situation that drastic already, I do you think? I don't think it is that drastic. Uh, I mean, obviously, they were off to a good start, but have a look at the teams they um, they played. They weren't great. It was like um, they started off with Wolfsburg, I think. It was Hertha, it was Cologne, it was Hamburg. Um, those were pretty much the first four games, and um, obviously, they should be winning those games. Um, but... Yeah, they've got issues with their defence as of late. Um, they don't convert the chances they have into goals. Um, I think he should be given at least till the end of the season to sort um, the issues out. I mean, Dortmund no doubt will qualify for the Champions League again if they can um, settle their back four a little bit more. Why not have a go at the title anyway? Um, I don't see Munich marching through again. 
um, this year. So I think it would be ridiculous to to, to tell them that like, you've got until the, the winter break to sort things out and then um, if not, you, you have to go. So mm. I think um, they should stick to him. He does the right job, still a young squad, and they will figure it out, I'm sure. Yeah, you mentioned the defence there. Um, I think I thought Roman Berkey was at, at fault for that third goal. Um, I seem to hear complaints about him in the office all the time um, from you a lot of the time, actually. Do, do you think one of the problems is that Dortmund need a better goalkeeper? I think they actually do. I mean, if they want to... At, at the moment, I don't see them in the top ten in Europe. Um, one of the reasons, obviously, their defence being a bit wonky these days. But I've been saying this for, for months now. Berkey isn't a great goalkeeper. And if you want to win titles or you know proceed through the, the the semi-final of the Champions League you need a better goalkeeper like he he makes too many mistakes um the Tottenham game Dortmund played really really well that night I was so impressed with them and then Harry Kane comes um, is in front of the goal twice the yeah, the near post um Berkey has got to got that mm. covered and um he made that mistake not for the first time in that game um Fair play though, after the Hanover game the previous week, um, a lot of people have been criticising him for his performance that day because, again, Dortmund, uh, Hanover got a penalty and it seemed it was Berkey's fault, but I don't think it was. It was never a penalty. Um, the um, Yeah, they just extended the contract with him till 2021, I believe, mm. just after that Tottenham game. Um, Weidenfeller is going to leave. He's going to retire after this season and maybe Dortmund should look into... Options. There are options. Kevin Trapp, for instance, mm. from PSG. Um, he's not first choice anymore. Cologne looking pretty much like they get relegated. Their goalkeeper, Timo Horn, he looks really good as well. Um, I think they should consider options. They need to bring in another goalkeeper anyway mm. once um, Weidenfeller is retired. And it would be only the sensible thing to do because Berkey is not a, a world class goalkeeper. It will be enough for the Bundesliga. But if you want to. Um, win something or be successful in Europe, you definitely need a number one. Yeah. Um, that is better than Berkey. <laughs> Reminds me very much of Liverpool, actually. I think they've got the same problem with their goalkeepers. They just aren't good enough for a team yeah. that, that needs to keep so many clean sheets and that sort of thing. Um, moving away from Dortmund, I mean, I think we're perhaps all a little bit guilty of assuming that they're going to be Bayern's main challengers for the title <laughs> every single season. Um, do you think maybe Leipzig are, are more of a threat to Bayern this season? Uh, I think... Leipzig, Hoffenheim as well as Dortmund are going to be the biggest um, threat. Um, Leipzig, um, you know, it's like we, we've, we've newly promoted sides the Bundesliga. They always do well in the first year. and the second year, they struggle. Uh, look at Freiburg this year, um, battling for relegation there. Um, Leipzig actually doing really, really well. Last weekend, they started with a team average age of 22 point or something. Um, considering that they're still third, have 20 points. Um, yeah, I think they're doing really well, but um, won't be the only um, big challenge for Munich mm. this season. Hoffenheim and Dortmund will will push them. Yeah, I mean Leipzig seems to be coping quite well with the, the having to play Champions League football as well at the moment, don't they? It's... They do actually, yeah. Um, though I don't think they're very pleased um, with the results. No. Um, start with a draw at home against Monaco, a game they definitely wanted to win. Um, they're a bit better than the games to come. They wanted to win away in Porto, which I found a very brave um, thing to say. Like They didn't travel there say, oh, we want a point, we want to win this game. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, the mistakes and defence they made um, cost them the points at the end. 
But fair play, still a young team, and I think they're coping exceptionally well mm. on, under the circumstances. Yeah. Um, there's been some interesting developments with the video referee in Germany this week. Um, first, there was a, a report last week, um, talk of video referees being given secret instructions in mid-September um, to kind of change the way the video referee was, yeah. was being used. What was that about? Uh, it was the um, Schalke versus Wolfsburg game. Um, basically, it was two penalty decisions that have been overruled by the video ref, apparently, in favour for Schalke. Uh, it turned out that it wasn't actually the the actual VAR that made the decision. It was actually the um, the project leader Helmut Krug, um, mm. former referee, who overruled the actual VAR in that moment. He probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> um, as a result, he has now been sacked. Um, but not entirely from the um, DFB, so the German FA, obviously. Yeah. Um, he is. Um, still in charge of all the referees, so he's the, the head of refereeing in Germany, but he's not the project lead anymore of that VAR. Um, they sort of wanted to make sure he hasn't got anything to do uh -huh. with that anymore. I mean, there was talk he's, fr he's from Gelsenkirchen, yeah, and there was talk he that he's sort yeah. of a Schalke fan, and was maybe there was a bit of, uh, I don't want to say match fixing, but, but something a bit untoward going on there. Perhaps. I think that's a ridiculous accusation. I mean, that man has been in professional football for so many years, and um, He's been a FIFA referee and he's been an excellent referee as well and he's been refereeing Schalke games and I can't see why he would purposely make a decision in favour of um, Schalke. Mm. I think that's just coincidence coming along with all the issues we have with the video ref at the moment. Yeah. Well, a bit of breaking news this morning. They're going to be using the video ref in the England-Germany friendly on Friday. It'll be the first time it's been used in an official match in England. Um, they're saying if it goes well, uh, they're going to use it in the FA Cup uh, third round in January and it could be used in the Premier League as early as next season. I mean, what what is your sort of overall opinion on the, 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 the video ref so far this season? I'm not entirely sure what language I'm allowed to use it, but <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and say it's dog shit. Um... <laughs> The issues that come along with it, I mean, geez, I don't know where to start. Um, at the beginning of the season, like, you know, none of it worked. Um, one of the biggest mistakes um, they actually made um, at the German FA was they didn't test it simultaneously at more than one stadium. So as soon as the season started, they realized, oh, hang on a second, that doesn't work if we use it in five or six stadiums <laughs> at the same time. And I'm thinking just... Guys, isn't that a bit obvious? You know, we have Saturday games on like four or five of them for the past 40 it's the years. the first thing you think about, surely, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah then the offside lines um, don't don't work. And um, a couple of weeks, two weeks ago, the, um, the DFB actually changed some rules as well, but didn't communicate it to the public or with the chairman uh, of the DFB, um, basically. It used to be that the video referee is only supposed to um, get in touch with the, the referee once there is an obvious mistake, like a decision the referee made which was wrong. Um, but then the DFB changed the rules saying, hang on, if you see something that looks a bit iffy or it's not quite clear, just get in touch with, with them. Mm. And that's where the confusion started. Like Everyone was like, oh, hang on a second, we thought the video ref is not supposed to um, interfere and nobody really knew what was going on until the... Uh, German FA eventually communicated that there has been a change of rules. Good to know. <laughs> Better late than never, I say. Yeah. 
Um, well, we've had a question from a listener here, and I must apologise. Um, this was forwarded to me uh, without the sender's name on it, so I don't know who sent this, but it's a good question, so we'll uh, we'll go ahead with it. Uh, they said, what's the feeling in FC Cone recently, uh, having been treated to a fantastic stag doing the City at the start of last season and a game in which they defeated Darmstadt? I have taken a bit of an interest in the club. Could they have been last season what Harry Kane is to Spurs and label the one-man team, referring to the now-departed Anthony Modeste? Where are they going wrong this season? <laughs> well, thanks for that question. I hope your marriage is going better than Cologne's season. <laughs> um, in a word, yes. Probably, yeah. Um, but let's face it, replacing 25 goals is not easy. Um, would be the same for every other team in the world. If Harry Kane would leave Spurs, they would be like, shit, we need to find 30 goals mm. somewhere. Um, for Cologne, obviously, it's a bit more difficult because um, trying to, to sign a player that costs 30 million for Cologne is probably very difficult. Um, they got in John Cordoba, who didn't play well at the beginning of the season, missed too many chances. Um, then he got injured. Thankfully for Cologne, he's going to be back after the international break. Um, Cologne playing a bit better lately, creating more chances, um, and I think eventually they'll pick up. Cordoba won't sco- score 25 goals this season, but um, yeah, if he managed to, to score 15, maybe they have a chance to um, not getting relegated. But yeah, essentially the user was absolutely right. <laughs> They've been a, a one-man show last season. <laughs> Well, our boss is a big Cologne fan, of course, so um, I'm sure he'll be uh, he'll be pleased to, to hear them get a shout out on the podcast for a change. <laughs> if nothing else, <laughs> that doesn't happen very often, no, does it? Where? No. Uh, anyway, we're going to move on now to uh, Italy and Serie A with uh, with Andrea okay. here. Um, got a few questions for you about I'm this. Really. The first one I'm going to ask you about Napoli. Yeah. There's a lot of excitement about Napoli at the start of the season, how it could be the first Scudetto for many years. Um, now it looks like they're going to struggle to make the last 16 in the Champions League. Um, they drew with Chievo, was it, yeah. the weekend? Right. Um, you know, they've got Juventus breathing down the neck and a few other clubs <laughs> now. What's gone wrong for them in recent weeks, would you say? I don't say wrong. I mean, they're playing with the same lineup. Uh, they've lost by injury uh, Milik at the beginning of the season. Now they've lost uh, Gulham. So things will get a little bit harder, but they're playing well against Kievo. Uh, Insigne had the chance to win the game at uh, the last minute. So they they got some, some struggle. I mean, they uh, completely wrong one game, the one against Shakhtar mm. at the beginning of the yeah. Champions League. And now that's the reason why they are on the brink of the elimination. I mean... The two games against City, they played well. Mm. The biggest regret is the first leg because they played really well. I think they should have won that game. The one at uh, Napoli, Manchester deserved to, to win that game. So it's now now it will be uh, you know uh, interesting to see how they will handle this situation because they have to pass uh, to the next round of Champions League. There are a lot of money. Uh, mm. So the, it will be interesting how they will handle this situation. Yeah, um, and we mentioned Juventus there. Uh, they're up to second in the league now, but yeah. they've not been playing particularly well this season, have they? Really, um, compared to last season, what, what do you think is the situation there? Mm, I think that right now they are no more a, a team on a mission. The the last year, uh, especially, uh, they got one target clear. They have to win the Champions League, and they were a team on a mission, win every single game, every single game. Right now, they know really where they, their status. They know they are strong. They're the top dog, and they try to find new new solution. 
they bought Douglas Costa, Bernard Esky, so they tried to find a way to, uh, you know, you know, put them in the in mm-hmm. the squad. It's not easy. They are uh, allowing some more goal respect uh, the the last year, but if you have Higuain and Dybala on your team, you always have a chance to win. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah. you can be really concerned. You you can uh, lose some game, but. I think that they are good. They are always the top dog at the favorite for for winning Scudetto. Mm. Uh, you mentioned Dybala there. Um, he he started the season on fire. I think he got 13 from his first yeah. 14 games, something like that. Um, there was talk last week of, of Juve offering him a lifetime contract at the club and inserting this release clause that we're making the most <coughs> expensive player ever. Um, there's been a bit of sort of a little bit of petulance from him recently. He's been substituting yeah. a couple of games. Um, he threw his shin pads at the bench a couple of weeks yeah, ago. Yeah. Is is there a, a bit of a problem with him there, do you think? And, and do you see him staying at Juventus for the long term or, or would he be tempted away by a, a Barcelona or a Real Madrid well, in the future? Tempted, uh, tempted right. I mean, uh, no one, everyone uh, is uh, is on the transfer news. I mean, after the Neymar uh, transfer, you know, uh, everything is possible. I don't think that Juventus will sell him so easily mm-hmm. because he's, he's young, he's 23, he's good. There's no there's no player here that can replace him. He is the future of, of the team. Basically, the team is, uh, is his team. So it's, it will be not so easy to, to sell him. It's a little bit nervous because he, he doesn't score, he don't score right now. So, you know, when a striker don't score, become a little bit nervous. But as I told before, before I don't think it's a big concern. When he will start scoring again, everything will uh, will de- erase it, mm-hmm. and I think every everyone will forgive him. Yeah, um, I saw some quotes from um, Juve CEO Beppe Marotta the other day. Um, he said that he thinks that uh, <laughs> yeah. the Inter are actually uh, Juve's biggest challenge this season. You think it's a joke? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a joke. It's, it's like say, oh, you know, you're you're great. You know, you can win Scudetto. We yeah. fear you, but it's not. Uh, you, you say know. that because you're a Milan supporter. No, no, no. Because <laughs> you know, you you try to put some hype about a team that it's a big surprise. Inter is the biggest surprise again with uh, with Lazio of this uh, of this season. So you're trying to put some eye because the supporters of Inter are really hyped. Okay, mm. oh we are we're strong, we can we can win. So he said, okay, you know you you're strong. We we feared you. Come on, win the Scudetto. But it's not real. Okay. He knows really well that Napoli is the biggest uh, biggest rival. Sort of mind games, then you think? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But Luciano Spalletti is doing a pretty good job at Inter, right? Yeah, yeah, he did a really good job. I'm surprised, not just for the results, but how Inter is uh, is playing. They gained confidence. Uh, they won against Roma in a uh, way. They took a draw in Napoli. They're playing really well. They're tough. Uh, Icardi is basically playing the, the best season of his career. Mm-hmm. And there are two really uh, big surprises. Is One is Milan Skriniar, the defender. He's 22 years old. It's the first season with Inter, but he's playing like a veteran. He's, uh, wow, he's playing fantastic. The other one is Perisic. He's always been a, a moody player. But I don't know. I think Spalletti brainwashed him because right now he's a soldier. He, he <laughs> do every time the right thing. He scores a lot. He make a seats. He's playing really, really, really well. Nice. Um, over at Roma, you mentioned them earlier in, in the yeah. show. Um, the, the guy who succeeded uh, Spalletti there was uh, Eusebio Di Francesco. Yeah. Have you been surprised by how well he's done so far as well? He was a bit of a what? seemed like a bit of an underwhelming appointment, but they're, they're doing pretty well, aren't they? Well, he resolved quickly some tactical aspects. 
and now uh, the player too understands better what he wants uh, from from they from them. Uh, there's a great piece from John uh, James Orcasto mm-hmm. about uh, the Roma style of playing. I will quote it. For its organization and coordination, Roma's pressing game feels like one of the best in Europe at the moment. Edin Dzeko chases down the goalkeeper. Kevin Strotman and Rajan Angolan run at the centre-backs. Roma's wide players go after the full-back. It's courageous, aggressive and effective. I think it's the, the perfect resume of how Roma is playing mm-hmm. right now. They're great. They got a, a, longer, a longer bench. They got players like uh, Gonalon, Pellegrini, Emerson, they can... They can make some changes, and that's why before I told that uh, they we got to take them seriously for Scudetto, for Champions League. Uh, it will be we will see how the, the draw will, will go if mm-hmm. they pass or yeah, uh, to, yeah. to the last sixteen. But if they take a good draw, they will be really really good to see even in Champions League. Yeah. I'm going to ask you about your team now, Milan. Uh, tell me about Vincenzo Montella. He seems we to be clinging to, to his it. job by a, by a thread at the moment. Is that the case? Is he is he not doing too well there at the moment? Yeah, of course. He, uh, Milan is not going really really well. But you, if you buy 11 players, that means that your your squad wasn't that good. So you have to, basically to build a new team, a new philosophy, a new style of play. You have to find to find different solutions. He lost Conti by injury. There's a Big big loss because he was uh, the one who had to start at, at the wide. So right now he tried to change Borini into Moses and playing <laughs> something like. No, I like Borini because he's like uh, a player on, on a war with himself. He's yeah. the only one that can find uh, reasons to play even when things go go bad. But um, I have to say that it's not Montella's fault if uh, Bonucci is not playing well, Bia is not playing well, Kess is not playing well. Uh, I think he just need a big victory to get the the media and the fans on uh, on his side, and then things will slightly go 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 better because we are at, at the beginning of the season. Milan can go back into the top fourth. Now the calendar is a little bit easier. We got the you have to the qualification for the Europa League uh, the last thirty two. So now things get a little bit. Better, mm-hmm. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, down at the other end of the table, right at the other end of the table, is uh, is Benevento. Oh. <laughs> uh, they broke a new record at the weekend. Tell yeah. me about that. Yeah, there's their 12 consecutive uh, losses, and it's the worst record since Manchester United mm. of the early 30 for a new promoted team. Yeah, I know it's it's a strange story because uh, um, they came from the third division to Serie A in two years. They got two consecutive promotions, and I think that they were re- they weren't ready for uh, for Serie A. Uh, they confirmed a lot of the last season team, but they finished uh, fifth, nine points behind uh, the third, so they weren't that good. <clears throat> the the defense is not good. The midfield is not good. No, there's no player that can score eight or tenth goals, and that's the basic rule if you wanna. Uh, if you want to avoid the relegation, they can even uh, you know park the the bus because they're not good. Mm. Uh, if, if you have the chance, I mean they they are at least uh, trying to play. They're not good, so they lost every they lost every match, but they can park the bus because the results can be poorer. You know? And one thing is that after this season, there will be a lot of talk in Italy about. Uh, Reduce the the team in the Serie A oh, yeah. from ten yeah from twenty to eighteen because the 
Carlotta Vecchio, the FGG president, the Italian FA, wants this uh, reduction. And I think that after the season, there will be a lot more talks about that. Yeah. Wow. Benevento making history all <coughs> yeah. over the place, aren't they? I mean, three yeah. more defeats and they will, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, uh, they will equal a record set by Brescia in the mid-90s for 15 yeah, straight defeats. It, it it's the worst be. losing there's, streak in Serie A history. There's a worst record every week, so... <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. How, how bad must they be if, if, as an Italian team, they can't even park the bus? I don't think I've ever heard that before. <laughs> be- because they got the promotion playing an offensive style. Okay, so they come from the same team and you can... Uh, change your, uh, your style of play if you have the same sure. player. They, they've tried, they, they failed, of course. Uh, but there are some players that I will suggest you to follow. One is Amato Cicciretti, the one, the one who scored against uh, Juventus. He's strange, but he's, he's quite good player. There was a quote from the, the, the Zerbi, the new Benevento coach. They said that uh, he couldn't play because a little bit too fat right now. <laughs> <laughs> But he scored a, w- a wonderful goal against Juventus. And, uh, there's uh, one curious thing about him. He got the Twitter logo tattoo on his scalp because he, he lost the bet with his friends. And now he got his logo tattoo. He's a crazy one. Make full of tattoos, up. but uh, he's good. He's a really good player. Brilliant. Well, we're going to move away from club football now uh, because it's the last international break of 2017. Um, I personally, I mean, I'm not really a a very patriotic Englishman at all, to be honest. Um, I usually loathe international football, apart from sort of the big tournaments and um, particularly mid-season international breaks. But the last one was actually really good. I enjoyed it and I'm kind of looking forward to this one too. Um, You two are both from from more successful football nations than I am, (laughs) let's say. Um, How do you feel about international football as a rule? Well, it's like a rehab (laughs) <laughs> you know, you, you can brief a little bit about the, all the news. You can uh, brief, as I say. Yeah, I mean, this one is will be different because they are all the the playoff for the World Cup, so it's different. Now the new Euro League of, of mm. the the nations, they're trying probably to do this kind of thing, make it more interesting. The this kind of, this period. Yeah, Toby, I've got a feeling you're on the same page as me with this one. Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, I mean, especially the international break at the beginning of the season. It's it's just painful. <laughs> this or, is the third one of the season already. It's yeah, um, but I think the last one we really did enjoy because there was some incredible stuff going mm-hmm. on. Um, I mean, we had not only in Europe, but the Syria um, playoff yeah. game uh, against Australia, which we obviously were following very closely. Um, so yeah, I agree. The last one was a bit more exciting, but the reason for that might be that we're all getting a bit in the World Cup mood by now. Mm. At least I am, you know, Andrea, you just said it, we've got the playoffs on, on some incredible games, I think. Um, Italy, Sweden, for yeah. instance. <laughs> uh, looking forward to that one. Um, so I think this international break is not going to be as um, bad as um, like it would have been a year ago in November. So like, we've got something to play for, something to look forward to. Um I personally, I don't think I'm going to watch the England-Germany game or even the France-Germany game because, <laughs> frankly, I don't care. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. It can be quite painful, those international breaks. <laughs> yeah. Well, just 143 days to go until the World Cup kicks off in Russia. Andrea, will Italy be there? They're playing <laughs> Sweden on Friday night uh, in Sweden for yep. the first leg. Um, Italy coach Giampero Ventura said he's already thinking about Italy's World Cup group. Is that a bit... Well, Does it make you nervous, that sort of? N- we can't be afraid of Sweden. <laughs> no, don't. I mean, we're a good team. Yeah. And the real enemy of Italy is Italy itself. Mm. Because if one thing can go wrong, it will be go wrong. Uh, <clears throat> the the possible lineup is 
not the one that I that I hoped because they're playing with a back three and without Insignia. And that's probably the, the biggest concern about the, the first leg. Um, Belozzi and Immobile came uh, from injury, so they're not in the, in the best shape. That's a, that's a real big problem, but the second leg uh, will be played at San Siro. There will be, uh, I think, about 7,000 people. So it's going to be a really, really good game to watch. I think that we will be at the World Cup. Mm. Yeah. Well, good luck to you. Simone, <laughs> Simone Zaza is back in the squad. Yeah. Uh, he's been banging them in for Valencia this season. Do you think that's a, a good thing for Italy that he's back? Yeah, he's playing too well for not being in the squad. As yeah. I say before, uh, uh, Belotti and Immobile came from injuries, so you have to you have to play. You will be probably one of the starter in the in the first leg. And yes, you will not solve all of our problems because um, it's not the uh, the best striker in the world. But I think he's playing good, so he is in the squad, and it's okay. Yeah, you wouldn't let him take a penalty to save your life, though. I take it. <laughs> no, after, not at after all. The last one. <laughs> not at all. Speaking of Italian strikers, Andrea Bellotti is a, a bit of a yep. curious one for me. There's a lot of talk about him. I mean, he had a great season for Torino last year, and there was talk of him going for 100 million in the summer. Yeah, it's sort of it's gone a bit quiet about him now. Is is that fair? Is it is he not sort of doing as well this season? But well, he got uh, a knee injury. So he stayed out for a month in October. That's why probably you didn't hear too much about him. But he's a really, really good striker. He's strong. He's chased every time the ball. He's always dangerous in the in the box. He can score in every way. So when he will uh, go back scoring, everybody will jump again on his bandwagon because he's a really, really good striker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Andrea Perlo officially announced his retirement. Yeah. Does that make you sad as an Italian? Yeah, but it was uh, already known that he will uh, retire. I I will just say that my best goal for him is the one he scored against Real Madrid with AC Milan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a wonderful goal he scored from 30 or 14 meters. <laughs> the camera didn't can go along with the ball. I it's... will miss him, definitely. I mean, no, you, face you... it, he was one of the, the greatest players ever. I mean, definitely one of the coolest Um <laughs> Looks like you know he can be asked to to run, but I thought he was sensational. Yeah, yeah. Um, after two thousand six, for a couple of years, I, I used to yeah. hate him a little bit. But, <laughs> um, yeah, the same with Gigi Buffon. Like those are, are legends. You know what I mean? We've we've been grown up with with those um, yeah. lads, and um, yeah, now one by one they will be gone. Um, and probably Buffon will retire at the World uh, mm. the World Cup. So it will be another legend that uh, if go away. It's if Italy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if if you went to don't, don't win the the Champions League, yeah, yeah, he's already say that if they win the Champions League with Juventus, he probably will retire. If not, he will think about it. <laughs> think about yeah. It, yeah, wow, could go on forever, couldn't he? Really. And Toby, how worried are the the German people about facing the mighty Three Lions on on Friday night? We're playing England on Friday. You certainly are. Um, You're going to know about it. Not at all. I think. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I said I haven't got a huge interest in that um, game. Um, from now on, it's just going to be interesting to see uh, what players Louv is going to nominate. Um, probably the lineup will tell us something about what kind of things he wants to try out till the World Cup. Um, that's probably the most um, interesting aspect of the game. The result, I don't think uh, it matters. Since this morning, the video ref is actually the big news about mm. this game. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't think we're worried at all. Germany, of course, the reigning world champions, um, won the Confederations Cup with an experimental squad in the summer and won the under-21 Euro tournament. How confident are you about Germany's chances of retaining the, the, the Quite Jules Quite confident, Rene? but you know, I think um, 
the same goes for every other big nation, France, um, probably Spain again. Um, not so much Italy this time around. <laughs> Sorry, Andrea. Um, but I think yeah, the big teams um, they're always up in the mix for the for the uh, World Cup title. Um, winning a World Cup itself is probably one of the m- most difficult things in the world of football. Um, defending it is probably even more complicated. But then again, there is plenty of talent in the German squad, even more variety than 2014, I think. Um, there will be hopefully a bit less pressure on Löw to nominate certain players for the World Cup squad. Um, prior to 2014, we had discussions about the likes of Großkreuz and Weidenfeller from um, Dortmund. I think there will be less pressure this time around and we'll, the, the squad... I'm sure will be even better than the last time. But, you know, other nations, they're not um, sleeping. So they've, they've done plenty of work as well. Mm. Will be difficult, but yeah, there's a good chance. If you had to put your neck on the line, both of you, who would you say for the World Cup? To win it? Yeah. Oof. You go first, Andre. Argentina? Yeah? Yeah. Messi had to win a World Cup. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's for his legacy. <laughs> you know, I didn't even think about them when I was sort of thinking about who the potential candidates are. But yeah, it's a good point. I know who um, it won't be. Go on. The Dutch. (laughs) (laughs) I had to make that joke, sorry. Um, Yeah, it's hard to say. Like, um, Germany has got a good chance. I think um, my favourite actually will be France. They look really strong. They've got an amazing I have doubts about Deschamps as a a coach, but but the the squad they've got there is amazing. I mean, Brazil is another one I think who who could really really turn it on next summer. Uh, Yeah, probably. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it, definitely. Well, we'll leave it there then. That's about all we've got time for this week. Um, Thank you to Toby, Andrea and our producer Ben. Um, Thank you at home for listening and uh, see you next week. Uh